It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. A short documentary about energy resilience will be available to a national audience beginning today, and the central character is Sitka. The film is part of the Made in America series produced by Washington, D.C.-based Consensus Digital Media. The filmmakers view Sitka's relative self-sufficiency as a model for a more sustainable energy future everywhere. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Like many communities in Alaska, Sitka produces its own power, but it's among very few communities that produce power almost exclusively with renewables and is hoping to do even more. That put it on the radar of Consensus Digital Media, which produces a series about American innovation called Made in America. Consensus creative director and producer Kate Tucker says the film project featuring Sitka didn't sound very sexy at first, but it quickly snowballed. We looked at Sitka because, I mean, it's actually not the most exciting reason to start. We were looking at energy storage, something not, you know, maybe you want to watch a whole episode about, but it turns out that um, you have some really exciting innovations happening there with just, you know, looking at how do we, as a an islanded community that's completely responsible for our own power and making sure that, you know, everybody's lights stay on and, and everybody's buildings to stay warm uh, in the winter, you know, how do we make sure that we have something that's sustainable and that's resilient? The film ties modern energy resiliency to culture. It opens with Hlingit culture bearer Chuck Miller. My Hlingit name is Dana Khitsik, and I got that from my great uncle. My English name is Chuck Miller. I'm of the Raven Moiti, Silver Salmon Clan. We refer to our clan as the Coho Clan. We don't waste anything. We take what we need and we leave the rest. And if we take too much, which is not on purpose, we share with everybody. We share no matter what, but we make sure... The narrative shifts to Miller describing the struggle to maintain the furnace in the Alaska Native Brotherhood Founders Hall, where he attended culture classes, and the decision to invest in heat pumps. In addition, the story describes other ways Sitka's electric utility is exploring to capture its excess hydropower and transform it into commodities like zero-carbon fuel, fertilizer, and heat. Tucker says Sitka's approach to community-based problem-solving transcends politics and made it an attractive subject for the series. We're looking for examples of Americans who are, you know, working across party lines, working in ways that might be surprising, working in ways that can help us come together around shared values and, you know, working with to solve problems that have been overly politicized and and really we can't afford to let that happen. The American Innovator episodes of the Made in America series are about 15 minutes long and are aimed at an audience on digital media that Tucker says is around three and a half million viewers. Sitka, and all of Alaska for that matter, already have significant allure for audiences. Tucker hopes that viewers might come to the film for beauty, but stay for the lesson that Alaskan communities can share with the rest of the country. It just seemed that Alaskans were really taking care of each other and doing right by nature and doing it in a way that was reaching across political divides and I think that this is going to be a really inspiring episode for all of America to see. The nine-member crew from Consensus filmed in Sitka and Juneau last August. The weather mostly cooperated, but the ferry schedule did not, and they chartered an Allen Marine catamaran for the day trip from Juneau to Sitka. 
The unscheduled tour through the remote country of the Inside Passage provided context for how isolated Sitka is and how determined it is to stick around. Oh, well, look, there's this town that's doing it all, you know, and it's it's doing it in a way that's like ensuring their survival and is absolutely necessary, you know, for their to build resilience for, for the future. And, and we can learn something there. Plus, we got to take a five-hour boat ride and see whales. <laughs> Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The Sitka episode of American Innovators will be available both at Consensus Digital Media and on YouTube beginning today. You can find a link on our website, kcaw.org. Tribes around Alaska are trying to find ways to stop climate change from eroding their ways of life, like access to traditional foods, clean waterways, and infrastructure in small villages. The Bureau of Indian Affairs recently announced more than $45 million in federal grant money for tribes around the country to address issues spurred by climate change. More than a third of that is making its way to Alaska, which has the largest number of federally recognized tribes in the country. KRBD's Reagan Miller reports. Alaska is warming up faster than any other part of the U.S. The changing climate has left communities to reckon with problems ranging from eroding shorelines and riverbanks to bacteria-infested waterways. The Biden administration's climate action grants are partially funded by last year's landmark bipartisan infrastructure law. They're intended to give tribes an infusion of cash to put towards projects that'll help fend off the worst of the impacts. In Southeast, there's a lot of pressure on making sure vital waterways stay clean and subsistence foods remain available. Ketchikan Indian Community was awarded nearly a quarter million dollars to keep working on the goals outlined in its climate action plan. Tribal officials say it's the federally recognized tribe's biggest federal climate grant yet. Tony Gallegos, the tribe's cultural resources director, says climate change threatens the indigenous way of life. Well, it presents kind of, you know, urgent risks to our traditional resources, um, you know, uh, food that uh, our citizens depend on. And part of preserving the way of life is understanding the role of traditional foods. So the tribe plans to, among other things, interview local elders about what traditional food sources are most important to them. Gallegos says that effort is already underway. We've already made some significant headway gathering and documenting tribal citizen reliance on traditional food and priorities um, with over uh, 320 responses to our initial survey last year. Some of the grant money also will be used to collect bacteria samples from local waters. The tribe has been monitoring bacteria levels at local beaches since 2017, and evidence seems to point to spikes after big rainstorms. So sometimes they call the first flush after uh, a rainfall event especially when there hasn't been a rain, rain for a while, can often carry uh, pollutants into, uh, uh, in this case, the Narrows, where we are, know we have bacteria problems, so we want to start to uh, collect some, um, some water quality right during or right after those rainfall events. Gallego says they hope to test at least 10 samples over the next two years. Another $15,000 was awarded to the tribe to fund travel expenses for staff to attend conferences to learn about other ways to adapt to a changing climate. Further north, the Yakutak Clinkett tribe plans to use a grant of nearly $114,000 to help deepen local knowledge about tribal lands using LIDAR mapping technology. That'll allow the tribe to conduct detailed aerial surveys of its lands. Andrew Gildersleeve is the tribe's executive director. So LIDAR is a very exciting way for us to map with precision the tribal lands as they are. And this is creating a record for us and a baseline for us to 
use in the future and we hope for future generations to be able to establish and recognize trends. With LIDAR, Gildersleeve says the tribe can learn more about rising ocean levels, salmon habitat, and tidal zones. The tribe's grant consultant, Amanda Bremner, says the project will be completed in three phases, and it might even help broaden ancestral knowledge. We have an indigenous and traditional place name map um, that for years has just been, you know, a, uh, a map on the wall drawn of boundaries and areas from a time, you know, decades ago that in this ever-changing climate um, may not necessarily be accurate. So we're looking forward to having these high-resolution images. In the Upper Lynn Canal community of Kluckwan, a grant of more than $589,000 is slated to fund riverbank stabilization as the community faces accelerating glacial runoff and melting permafrost. The tribe hopes the project will preserve salmon runs. The Sitka tribe of Alaska received more than $298,000 for its tribe-operated research center, Southeast Alaska Tribal Ocean Research. That will support more research into the harmful algae blooms and paralytic shellfish toxins that thrive in warming waters. In Southeast's biggest tribe, the Central Council of Klinga and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska, is working toward food sovereignty with a region-wide community garden program. That project will be funded with a $2 million grant. In Klawak, the only Prince of Wales Island community to receive a grant, the Klawak Cooperative Association will use more than $248,000 to put into motion its own climate action plan. It'll be modeled after one adopted by Klinka and Haida. Elsewhere in the state, a handful of villages received funding to seek higher ground as they face increasingly brutal storms and erosion. That includes Unalakleet. With around 800 people, it's the largest community to receive a grant dedicated to what's called a managed retreat from the shore of Norton Sound. The local tribe received nearly $300,000 to move the village to a nearby hillside. Carrie Dwayne is the housing director for Unalakleet's tribe. She says an old seawall that surrounds the silty spit that the village sits on spared it from the worst of the damage from ex-Typhoon Murbach in September. But she says it's clear the village has to move further from shore to survive the new climate reality. Ground itself is can be unstable for the style of building that and the era of building that a lot of the houses are from, since like the 70s, 80s, some even earlier, like the 40s and 50s. Um, and more concerning... The seawall probably isn't sufficient in the long run. She says a retreat from the shore would also give the village room to expand. Also, there's very little land to build on left. It's, like, pretty crowded. Dwayne says the plan is in its early stages. She says the tribe's next goal for this grant is to get a completed plan ready for another grant proposal next year. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. The complete list of the BIA Climate Action Plan Resiliency Grants is available with this story at krbd.org. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.